Welcome back to the Barry Capital Startup Sales Podcast. This is Evan McElwain, Barry's Director of Growth, and today we're joined by Zach Woods, Head of Enterprise Sales of Alchemy. Welcome on the show, Zach. Hey, thanks for having me on, Evan. And so today we're going to be discussing selling into digital and innovation teams. So, Zach, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about Alchemy, um, and then we can dig in more to the subject. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, like I said, thanks for having me on. Happy to kind of dive in and re- reflect back on a past life, as people tend to say in their uh, in their careers, having worked in a in one of these divisions myself, and now obviously with Alchemy, um, selling into both of these divisions as well as a number of other divisions inside of uh, specialty chemical um, and hard science or material science companies. So, uh, yeah, a little background on myself, um, born and raised in Gaffney, South Carolina, um, studied Spanish and chemistry in school, had no clue what I wanted to do, but like everyone in 2010, wanted to go to law school, ended up not doing that, um, joined um, a very large material science company by the name of Avonic, um, which turned out to be a, a total... Uh, I think prescient decision to learn a little bit more about the world that I lived in. Um, I was very interested in um, how the world was com- literally the composition of it when I studied chemistry and um, seven years after having joined that organization I had lived in a number of different countries and had a number of different roles with that company. Um, got to live in Europe for a period of time in South America and Mexico. Uh, really amazing experience and then um, in my last role there, I worked with, uh, you know, pretty close with the chief digital officer of the company um, and got to see, you know, companies big and small in the software space that were trying to or actually succeeding in solving challenges for a large material science company, which um, people would correctly think are not necessarily the front runners in terms of technology adoption. Right. Um, and then one of those companies I, I found was a, a company named, uh, named Alchemy, led by um, our CEO, Sasha Novakovich, and, you know, having been in that company for so long and recognizing this is a real problem, uh, the, the way that these organizations, um, specifically material science and specialty chemicals companies, are managing their data, managing their R&D, um, managing their teams, managing, managing innovation, all words that uh, many of you know, despite your industry um, not being like ours. Um, I just knew that this was a problem too big to resist and, uh, yeah, joined the company a little more than a year ago and have been in the seat for a little over a year as what people on the street call a renaissance rep. Um, for anybody that's interested in a definition, that means, uh, you do everything. (laughs) That's That's like a really casual way way to put it. You're going to do everything, buddy. It's, like, it's a it's a great glorified title of you are going to do everything. Yeah, you're busy. Yeah. You're basically busy, and hopefully you're effective. That's right. Um, That's right. But yeah, we've been working on being being both busy and effective, and uh, yeah, looking forward to sharing. I'd say at least um, one of our ICPs that we focus on uh, in the sales motion today. This question probably won't be too hard for you, given that you have lived a bunch of different interesting places. You grew up in South Carolina. What is one thing, we always ask this, what is one thing that no one on the podcast, listening on the podcast, will know about you? Oh my gosh. It's a bit of a twist on a fun fact. Yeah, definitely. Um, something that no one on the podcast, I just, I don't, I need to, I need a Forgot full, to prep you on I this, need a full way. download yeah. of your listenership so I can assess <laughs> what I've told people. It's about 5 million people. Oh man, so, yeah. MAGA. Okay, yeah. five, okay. So I'll, okay, well nothing then, Evan, nothing. <laughs> Um, something that people typically would not know about me. 
Um, that I speak three languages. I don't know. That's, so you got English. You got you, you showed us some Spanish. What else you got? I got Spanish and then German from oh, nice. having lived in Germany. And okay. I also can say seven words in Serbian now. Having worked with uh, with the alchemy team, with, with the alchemy team, yeah. So hey, you just got back from a from a two week trip in Serbia. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned a little bit in your intro about you know you're working with the chief digital officer now. It's it's one of your your ICPs that, that you're selling into. So you've been on both sides of the table here. Um, tell us a little bit about what is a digital team or an innovation department for those that that don't know. Um, what does it do? How is it formed? Just, just kind of give us the 101 in, in case some of the listeners aren't, aren't familiar with it. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I'll do, I'll do my best to keep it at a 101 level, although, you know, there are a myriad of reasons of why they're formed and where they're formed and, and who the heck uh, is involved in their formation. So, um, you know, I think totally paraphrasing and happy to hear feedback as as my definition may not be a hundred percent complete but you know typically what what I have seen both from you know previous experiences and and here is that a digital or an innovation group typically is a response to um, the the organization's recognition that there's a big gap between what's happening in the in the broader marketplace or in the broader ecosystem of technology and what their core business tends to be. Um, so, you know, I, I can use a great example, uh, Avonic having worked there or peer group companies of Avonic like BASF or Dow Chemical or DuPont. Um, these organizations specialize in uh, taking raw materials from the earth, um, be it petroleum or some other mineral, and creating a, a different molecule after some chemical processes. Um, they are not experts in IT. Uh, so I, I would say kind of a rule of thumb is they tend to have a digitalization group when there's been sort of an organizational recognition or acknowledgement that, hey, some, some things have happened. Uh, and, you know, if you uh, follow Moore's law, the rate of innovation, especially in IT, continues to increase. And I think that there's been a pretty systematic recognition within especially large companies to say there's a big gap between what our core technology is and what we're really experts at and what the the general ecosystem is doing. Maybe we should form a task force or uh, an innovation unit or a digitalization unit to sort of help us um, build a bridge that connects to those outside vendors or outside parties. Um, and, so are there, and so do you find that there are, is a generic profile or, or set of industries where these digital arms, innovation arms, are more common uh, than others? Like how, how do you think about that when we think about just the broad landscape, right, of, of different enterprises that are out there? From your experience, um, what's, what's that look like? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I would first want to make clear uh, a, a distinction and a delineation between the two words. So um, an innovation arm or an innovation group and a digitalization arm or a digitalization group. So, you know, I think um, and maybe something that uh, that my material science folks or my hard science folks will really appreciate is um, there's often a, a big misnomer in the SaaS space or the PaaS space or the, you know, general software space that innovation means IT innovation um, and that is absolutely not the case um, you know your your iPhone is the result of an innovation group at 
um, Corning Glass and DuPont and various other material science companies innovating new materials that can go into your iPhone and then subsequent um, SKUs uh, or other technologies. So uh, I would say an innovation arm is probably a more generic term because those organizations typically, no matter your market or no matter your industry, um, you care and, and buy into the notion that creating new products and creating new services is the way that you capture value and being the first mover in those markets tends to be the way that you capture value. So um, Avonic had, a, to speak from real you know, boots on the ground experience, they had an innovation arm and a very, very robust one for decades uh, and we're creating great products. Johnson & Johnson is another great example of a company. Pfizer is another great example. They have been innovating since their inception centuries ago. Um, on the other hand, digitalization groups, I think, um, you know, we sort of uh, prepped on this a little bit, but I think digitalization groups tend to be the offspring of organizations, again, that acknowledge or have come to realize that their core expertise is not in digital technology. Um, so, you know, we sort of, uh, we're going back and forth. It, it would be a bit strange if Salesforce had a digitalization group because baked into their product service mentality is digitalization. Right, um, their DNA. Right, it's in their DNA as a company that digital, well, of course they're digital, what are you talking about? Right. So typically what you're gonna find is that a digitalization group is um, you know, maybe getting out of the material science space, I think a good example of this would be Whole Foods. Whole Foods actually spawned up a digitalization group um, a number of years back because they were looking at how can we leverage digital payment technology at our point of sale. Um, and lo and behold, obviously, they weren't the only one that thought Whole Foods could be a bit more of a technology company uh, and were purchased by Amazon a couple of years ago. But I think that's a, maybe a... a a different example um, of a company that would have a digitalization group that isn't in the science uh, space. Got it. Okay. Now that's very helpful just to think about. Um, it's it's Definitely. easy to lose sight of the fact that there are all these different types of innovations. Um, and when you read that this company has an innovation team or an innovation arm, sure, it's sure. pretty broad. It doesn't actually tell you what within that uh, exactly. is going on. And so it's it's important not to just draw assumptions on on what that team does and, and, and what their um, <laughs> mandate is, but yeah, but exactly. instead to really kind of do your homework and, and figure it out. So um, very helpful. Especially if you want to actually sell to those companies. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd say it's, it's good right. to acknowledge that uh, their definition uh, for decades running of innovation is, is not your selfish definition right. of innovation. And so when we think about these, these digitalization groups, how do these departments and teams vary company to company? Right Now that you're on the selling side, do you find that some of them have real budget and others don't? Maybe some have you know, real authority and... Um, influence across the organization, maybe others not so much. Um, and then how do you figure that out as a seller when you're kind of sitting on the outside now and don't have an inside look into these organizations? Oh man, this is, uh, I, I think it's almost obligatory that in any podcast you say, oh, great question. Oh, uh, oh great question. Great question. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that is a, it, it, it's, it's the question actually. I think it is a very important one. And um, maybe I'll, I'll give a, an analogy that I think helps paint the picture of how it varies company to company. Maybe that would be helpful. 
Um, you know, I, I think if you want to consider um, how the digitalization group varies at one organization to the next, I think a great kind of framework to think about is, well, how does innovation vary from company to company? Um, well, Apple is a really innovative company. Uh, they tend to create a lot of kick-ass solutions that, uh, that blow people away and literally create trillion-dollar markets, not just capture value in, but create trillion-dollar markets or, or change the landscape of markets, uh, digital music coming to mind. Um, and I think just as different companies have different propensities to be innovative, then you can imagine by extension of logic that different companies will also have a very different approach to um, digitalization and, and the remit and the impact that that organization, I should say, in layman's terms, the 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 length of rope that they're given to either hang themselves or <laughs> or, or hang their their catch right. uh, is different organization to organization. But you can look at uh, a lot of 10Ks and see that investment in innovation or R&D, in other words, varies tremendously company to company, industry to industry. And so when you when you start digging in, getting to know these different digital teams across various companies do you find whether it's through conversing with them reading a 10k do you find that some of them end up being more of a kind of market research arm where they're really just trying to keep um, an ear to the ground as to what's going on um, are others more of a you know corporate dev arm where they're trying to figure out what's a new startup that might be competitive in our space that we might want to scoop up are others more of a is it kind of a, 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 a marketing exercise where, where you want to just, mm -hmm. just look like you're being innovative and, <laughs> and, and, and trying to, you know, go digital. Sure. Like, are, do you, do you see these different, um, different ways of, of these kind of teams and departments playing out? Um, how do you think about that? Yeah. Um, e all of the above. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I think there were four options in there. Um, no, but in all seriousness, all of the above, uh, absolutely. So, so I think that, uh, you know, giving some practical advice to anybody out there, whether you're a, a first seat seller or 10th or 50th seat seller, um, having a digitalization arm at a company that you think would be a great prospect is not a panacea for you being able to sell into that organization. Um, by any means. Uh, and I guess to sort of unpack and, and get into the answer or the heart of your question is um, there are undoubtedly examples of companies that have, I would say, uh, a 90% marketing remit and a 10% action remit in their digitalization group. Um, what are the things that a seller might look for to be able to vet if that's the case? Um, well, typically you can look at the amount of press that's coming out from that digitalization group. Uh, I know it seems like a little obvious, but if they're putting out a press release every two weeks about the fact that they have a digitalization group and not about the fact that they did something in that digitalization group, then you may begin to form an opinion, certainly supported over time by data, that they are in fact a marketing arm. Um, the, the opposite example of you know, those digitalization groups that are, I would say, more about market scanning, um, 
connecting back, I think you use corp dev. Um, so that was actually my role. So my role was corporate development. That was the, the remit. Um, and I really had a formal mandate that I would go out into the marketplace and I would interface with organizations, large and small. So the Microsofts and the Salesforces of the world, um, as well as the Alchemies or the base CRMs, shout out, acquired by Zendesk two years ago. Um, of the world and really try to match problems in the business with solutions in the marketplace um, and then ultimately drive proof of concepts, uh, pilot programs, lighthouses, all of which are cringeworthy uh, terms that many of you sellers do not ever want to hear. But I would also highly encourage, and this is like total PSA asterisk, not part of the script, but um, you know, please don't be scared of those terms because to be honest, uh, that's the way big companies work. So if you want to work with big companies, then don't be afraid of Pilot, Lighthouse, right. um, et cetera. And uh, so when you, when you think about those different buckets, right, and, and the different remits and approaches that those, those teams take, the different mandates that they have, is the best case scenario that the digital department at company, you know, Acme Corp, is mandated with testing out, piloting new technologies, new softwares, and if all goes well, they like the looks of it, then they would expand it, you know, company-wide or, or at least expand it broader from there. Is that kind of like the best case scenario? Or when, when you get looped in, let's say you get an introduction through a friend of yours to the mm -hmm. chief digital officer at company XYZ. Right. What's the kind of best case scenario for you, um, given what you know about um, just, just the overall landscape of how these departments sit in their broader org. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I, I think, you know, if, if I had my druthers, as we'd say in South Carolina, um, I would certainly prefer, um, on the spectrum of marketing first than PR or employer branding to, um, innovation scouting and pilot promoting. I would certainly prefer that, that group is more operational and, and tactical while also hopefully being strategic or they wouldn't have formed in the first place. Mm -hmm. So you want them to be strategic and that the COO or the CEO thought it was wise to have a CDO. Mm -hmm. um, that of course is kind of like baseline assumption, but um, you definitely want, you want to know that that organization and, and as a seller, I think you should probably want to be asking questions like, um, how many, you know, just as they would ask, how many customers do you have? You should also ask them, how many pilots have you ran? How many pilots have you introduced? Um, do you have an operating budget to run these yourself? Is your primary remit to connect really interesting startups or really interesting businesses, whether they're startups or not, with the operative business unit? How are you measured on that success? Um, as you can tell, I'm uh, ridiculously annoying when it comes to talking to me as a salesperson. But um, that's just, you know, if having sat on both sides of the table, I think right. that um, those were the types of questions that I rarely ever got. And to be honest, had I gotten those, um, one, I might have just been better at my job in the early days. Uh, two, I think some companies and some sellers would have realized, hey, I'm at a fork in the road and I should take the left path instead of the right path sooner um, just because they didn't ask those discovery questions and they, probably, they probably could have gotten an answer that really sent them left or right. Mm -hmm. um, 
But if you don't ask those bifurcated questions, you tend not to get one or zero answers. answers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so how do you approach selling into these departments now, right? Given what you know, given you've, you've, you've seen many different, um, iterations of these departments, right? Yeah. With different remits, different approaches. How do you approach selling to these departments? Now, we just got a taste of it just then with some of those discovery questions that you like to throw out there. I can't there. even help it, man. Um, no, it's great. It's, Disc, I think it's just I think go straight really to disco mode. Yeah. Um, but any, anything else you want to share there just around your approach um, to, to how you sell into these departments today? Yeah, I, I typically do uh, like spear and shield. The spear and shield mode? No, I'm kidding. I don't carry any weapons into the tactical. <laughs> you didn't get that one at first. <laughs> he, he caught up though. He's with us. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, what I would do is really, I would really rewind back. I mean, I, I think we as sellers or uh, marketers or whatever the heck you are out there listening of the 5 million people that are hearing this, <laughs> you're probably a lot of things. Somebody might be a plumber for all we know. Um, I think you have a tendency to say, oh my God, you're a digitalization arm. Let me go, 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 go. Um, I can only encourage you guys and, um, you know, saying from my own personal experience on both sides of the seat, more fundamental in how I would approach selling these organizations is asking a collection of discovery questions to myself first, which are, what is their business? What is their business model? How do they make money? How do they innovate? Are they innovating? How does my solution, product, service, um, insert whatever else people are selling now, like blockchain, solution, I don't know. Um, how does that contribute to any of those five things that I just named? Um, I think that is the right approach to selling to the organization as a whole at all much less the innovation arm or the digitalization arm. And then, you know, adding just a small, slight touch more specifically on the innovation and digitalization arm, I think that if you are resolute in your conclusion that you do offer real value, you know, pitch, we accelerate the speed to market for innovation products for large material science and specialty chemical companies. If you believe that wholeheartedly, then take that message to the people that will least resist you in hearing it and helping you spread the word. Um, I think uh, if you, you know, of course you do, but meaning you, the proverbial you in the, in the podcast mesosphere, um, buy into C CEB research that talks about um, the buyer personas and the way that people not only sell, but the way people buy today, people buy by committee, they buy by consensus. Um, so having a digitalization um, stakeholder or an innovation stakeholder or both, just look at those as two pieces of the puzzle because the puzzle, puzzle is typically seven to 10 people big. Um, and if you can have advocates from the core operative business, from finance, from procurement, from those other groups, I, I really believe that even though it's the 14I principle rather than the 4I principle, um, your solution has a much better chance of, uh, of standing the test of time and ultimately getting to a sale. So in your experience, do you find that, that there is an economic buyer that lives in, within those teams, you know, or just, just bluntly, can they get it done? Um, or are they just kind of one of those people at the committee that maybe you need to be an influencer, but they're not, they're not going to be your hardcore champion pushing this to the finish line. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to I, I, I hate to speak in absolutes, right? And to say that um, I, I, despite my best effort, and I promise I'm trying um, to have spoken to every CDO in the market that I serve, um, I have not. Uh, but I feel quite comfortable saying that they are not going to be the standalone trigger puller, so to speak, in these deals. Uh, and I would actually say that whether you're selling um, super high ACV stuff, so you know, 75, 100K up, or, uh, or whether you're selling lower, I, I think that, um, you know, per the, the, the quote I just gave around CEB, I think buying by committee is here to stay. And I don't think that the digitalization or innovation arm are immune to this organizational change that is happening in companies at large. Uh, and I think that, you know, and I would love to hear feedback or commentary from anyone that's had a different experience, but um, I would love to hear somebody say, oh yeah, I just knew the CIO or I knew the VP of XYZ business line and we ran a $150,000 deal through in two weeks. Um, I think those stories are becoming less and less and I think that uh, CYA or cover your ass is uh, more prominent than ever in the days of social media and Slack and rapid information share and the ease with which individuals can collaborate typically means that people will collaborate, um, whether by force or by choice. Okay, so if, if they aren't your main target for just getting the deal done for the reasons that we just discussed, how do you think about different ways to leverage them inside their orgs so that you can get to the right people to progress the deal? Yeah, um, you know, I think to start with on a basic human level, I mean, find people that are into what you're doing. Uh, I think that's like maybe a little bit uh, overlooked sometimes is I, I'm, I'm trying to be so strategic and I'm, I'm ICPing or Google slidesing or PowerPointing my methodology to death or I'm like really drilling into sales loft and I'm at like step 13 of the cadence and, and I think you should kind of just rewind back and say, okay, like what do I sell? Or what does my product do? Look up somebody in the digitalization team that studied that subject. <laughs> like look, you know, look up somebody that worked at a digital company before they joined the digitalization group of Johnson & Johnson or Procter & Gamble. Um, reach out to them. Uh, try to have a personal connection. So personalization is, I think, a big theme in, uh, in the sales podcast that you guys do and certainly one um, in my outreach strategy as well. And I think that, um, you know, people do have a tendency to maybe over ICP, if not uh, more than anything, because, you know, sometimes it's just, how do I find somebody that gives a darn about what I do and, and the solutions that I bring, be it personal or professional, and then let that person be an advocate, show them that you're interested and that you care and that you actually took time to look up what they studied or where they worked before, rather than, oh, you work in the digitalization group of company XYZ, you must be the person that can help, you know, shepherd my deal to the finish line. <laughs> right, to the promised land. Right, exactly. Yeah. Got it, interesting. Okay, so we talked about, we talked about what digital teams do. We talked about the difference between digital teams and innovation teams and, and, and where there's overlap. We talked about how you sell into these departments, how you think about them, how they can help you navigate organizations. Are there any other pieces here around maybe just the fact that 
a company has a digital team. Does that does that ring you know any kind of buyer signal bells for you in your role? Does it does it mean anything, or or do you not want to put too much you know like too much weight to that in terms of just how you're going about um, just your overall process and, and and how you're prioritizing different accounts? Yeah, I, I, it is definitely a data point. Um, but you know, s- someone way smarter than me once said, you can't draw a line with one point. <laughs> um, so I, I think apply that same level of rigor to, to working with an innovation or a digitalization group is um, just the same as, you know, if it's a one or a zero, just the same as if they don't have an innovation group or a digitalization group, it's a data point and you can't draw a line. Um, and you certainly can't draw a trajectory or a slope or a curve. Um, I would say, you know, look, to, to not be too nihilistic, um, I think that having a, a, a marketing or a marketed digitalization group, I mean, I would say that that's definitely a better sign than not um, all other things being held equal. Because at the end of the day, and again, this may not be something that, um, that everybody listening knows, and hopefully it isn't, because otherwise, why the heck am I here? Um, you know, someone's ass is on the line for having formed that group. Right. Uh, you know, these companies the budget came from somewhere. Yeah, I mean, somebody said this is a good idea, and uh, like, don't don't ever think that this is like they're 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 think they're playing cards. Um, they don't think they're playing a house of cards. Um, they think they're being serious. So someone at a pretty high level made a decision that this, you know, call it even a $1 billion company, which is way smaller than a lot of the companies that, that we try to sell into, right? Um, you know, it is a non-trivial decision to go public and to hire 15 to 30 people and to invest 50 to $100 million over some period of time to have a so-called digitalization group. So whether their intent of that group's formation is to your benefit or to your liking um, is not to say that it would be, but it is to say that like they have some strategy. It may not be a strategy that makes sense to you selfishly because you know they don't do pilots, so why do they have a digitalization group? Um, but I would say again that that really the onus then falls on the the rep or the the sales leader or whomever it is to kind of take a step back and say well if they're not forming a digitalization group because they want to run pilots, why might they be forming a digitalization group? Run two scenarios in your head and then maybe you'll find, well, I probably shouldn't reach out to that company because they're forming a digitalization group so that they can hire younger people, as an example. So one of the things you mentioned was, which I really liked, is don't lose sight of the fact that these digital arms, the budget came from somewhere, Someone high up that is important at this company, that's been at the company a while, put their name on this and their Absolutely. reputation on this. Internally, internally for sure, right. if not externally. And so let's say it is just internally, and mm-hmm. let's say you can't you know, just figure it out with a quick, quick Google search. Is that one of your goals early on in the sales process? Is if, if you see that this prospect of yours has a digital arm, is one of your goals early on to try to figure out which executive or which which you know leader inside this organization 
was instrumental in that getting getting started because that you know I I would assume that that person then cares about new technologies, bringing in new innovations, trying new things, and could be your potential champion um, as you do try to shepherd this deal along to get it done. Uh, are we recording this? Because that was a pretty good idea. I think so. I hope so. I want to write that down. Um, you know, I think that uh, it is a good idea. Um, I, I can very humbly state that that is not always a strategy because you only have, you know, so much intellectual power. Um, and I would say, uh, yeah, while while a tactic or while one of the ways you could go about it, I think, um, you know. I wouldn't necessarily completely discredit the newly found CDO or the team that they've hired, right? Because that's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you go to the CDO and your first question is, "Who appointed you to this role?" I want to talk to them. Uh, you may have blown a pretty good opportunity to learn something about another high-powered executive that also has their reputation on the line. So I would say um, my advice would be to sort of figure out in a nuanced way how that works unless you're you know you totally have an inside scoop and you know exactly like I did at my previous employer I, I really knew the ins and outs of how the whole thing happened so I mean I think that's given me a, a total advantage in that I understand at least in one uh, again lines can't be drawn from single data points um, but it, it at least gives me one example which is more than a lot of people have of how this thing really crystallizes and precipitates and then gets bigger and gets funded and uh, gains some momentum and you know then ultimately drives impact uh, over the course of years because that's how long it takes I mean years to go from idea to activity years so that's the time scale we're talking about for a lot of these companies great well that's that's really helpful so I've certainly learned a lot as someone that has never been part of a digital team, never sold into a digital team. Um, I've, I've learned a lot from our, our conversation today. So that's cool. been, that's been enjoyable. Are there any final thoughts, tips, tricks, um, that you want to leave folks with, uh, to summarize? Yeah, definitely leave, uh, the, the spear and shield at home as well as the jokes about the spear and shield and spear. <laughs> those won't land. Yeah. Those will not land. They will never <laughs> land. I mean, who carries a spear for goodness sake? <laughs> Um, yeah, on a more on a more realistic front, um, you know, I really just want to kind of double down and iterate on the point I made uh, earlier, which is, you know, really, uh, I think innovation arm, digitalization arm, SaaS, PaaS, information service, whatever you're doing, um, if you're selling something to a buyer, I think you should really ask yourself that kind of suite of questions of what does this company do, um, how do they make money. How does my product, service, or people help them um, make that widget faster or bring it to their customer faster or better understand their, their client better, um, you know, or whatever it is. And then kind of build your narrative from there, build your outreach from there, um, build your um, effort allocation if you're one of those renaissance reps and you have limited time in a day. Or again, if you're the 50th seat seller. Um, you should really be budgeting your time based on what you feel will be most value add. And I think starting from the ground up of do we solve a real problem for this organization is the right first 10%. And then do they have a digitalization arm? Do they have an innovation arm? And um, putting those into a bucket along with many other stakeholders that you're ultimately going to have to convince 
Um, to do any kind of complex selling uh, in today's current status and uh, maybe in the future, smaller ACV deals as well. And for those listening that, that aren't familiar with Alchemy, give us, give us the, the quick elevator pitch. Oh man, on the spot. Uh, I, I think for those material science um, and research driven organizations that um, understand that Microsoft Excel is not the place where they should be running their projects, storing their data and managing their teams, especially on a globalized basis, um, Alchemy is a platform that is helping those organizations gain more transparency, uh, improve their speed to market, improve their efficiency, and not start their technical service or research and development work from zero like they have to today in a disconnected uh, IT environment. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Zach, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Happy to do it, man. Anytime. Show